0: All right, let's commence episode eight of the podcast, everybody. Episode eight, ready, and Jesus, maybe a little aggressive on my part, but incense, lit, coffee. Look, it's not purchased. I made it at home. Twink. Okay, work. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I... Welcome back to Things That Go Bump. I am feeling... I'm Sabian, your host, and this is my weekly Goosebumps review podcast. Let's let's just get this out of the way. I'm feeling extremely manic today. I haven't been on my mood stabilizers for a couple of days because I ran out. Just got them back today. Took one. Hey, feeling extremely manic now. So let's just get through this, right? Okay? Let's just get through this. <laughs> we have to talk about things that are very important, and uh, you're here for fun. We're all going to have fun. Fun. we're all gonna have fun. You got that. So let's just, hey, if I start spiraling, just, just stick with me, just stick with me. Just chill out, people, just chill out. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Welcome back, welcome to the pod. Hey, nice calm environment. I am so hot right now. I am wearing a crew neck and uh, pants. Because I had a job interview today and I wanted to look nice for it, but I am hot now and it is mid December. It is mid November. It is cold as fuck outside. But what's important is that right now my body temperature is extremely warm and I hate being extremely warm. But I've already started recording the podcast, so I'm not going to change my clothes because that is annoying and I am already seating, sit, sitting. <laughs> if I get up, to move and change, I will have a freak out. So let's just get it together, people. And let's record the podcast. Okay. Let's start with some housekeeping, as always. Um, hey, let's call back to episode... <laughs> Should I stop? Should I stop? No, I can't. I can't stop. We've already started. Holy Shit in case anyone's wondering if you're maybe an audio listener um, my computer definitely almost didn't just fall off my desk don't worry about it Um, (laughs) holy shit I need to keep it together alright let's do some housekeeping let's call it back to episode 6 to start with housekeeping Um, hey I now know that that's not how you pronounce Tucson, Arizona (laughs) multiple times I said with my whole chest that they were from Tucson, Arizona and I now know that's not how you pronounce it The public education system failed me. I don't need to, I I don't know how many times I can say that before people just believe me. Hey, me, kind of stupid. Where do you think that came from? Uh, And the thing is, I was like an A student when I was in high school in the public education system. They fucking failed me. Got it? All right. Tucson, I get it. That's how you say it. It's Tucson, Arizona. I get it. Shut up. Um, ghost updates, none. Sorry, I don't have any ghost updates in my house. Uh, it's been pretty tame lately, so maybe, maybe more on that later. Um, okay, now let's talk very quickly about our previously mentioned, but also not for a while, it hasn't been mentioned, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Um, Let's talk about the Goosebumps Cinematic Universe government that we have established here on Things That Go Bump. I have made, if you are an audio listener, you better open the the YouTube link that is in the description of this episode and watch this portion of the episode, or you are missing out on some great, great fun that the video listeners are about to get. I have made some extremely fun visuals for the uh, Things That Go Bump Cinematic Universe uh, government And I would love to reveal them and share them and later in the episode uh, dive even further on them. So let's take a look. Editing Zabian, please. Where the fuck are my pictures? Editing Zabian, please insert the images for the government on the screen here. So let's start with... (laughs) What's... (laughs) they are so stupid. I have created all of these images myself, and um, they are extremely good, and I am extremely talented. So let's start with uh, uh, just kind of a tour of the images we've created here, just to kind of remind ourselves like how this government has come to be formed, what its foundations are, et cetera, et cetera, whatever else I feel like talking about. So here we have uh, the government building. When you approach, when you enter the Goosebumps universe, kind of like um, but like, uh, like, Barbie Land. When you enter Barbie Land, this is what you see. You see the Goosebumps government building. And if we would remember, this is based on the uh, structure of the very first book in the series, Dead, Welcome to Dead House. So this is my interpretation of Dead House based on and inspired by the original cover of that book, which is an image of the house. So this is what we created. This is... The- <laughs> This is the government building. We see I have a very nice flag in front of the house that says Goosebumps Government. Um, So, yeah, that's the government building. I hope you enjoy this image. Now let's move on to our elected uh, government officers, if you will. (laughs) Should I start with the big kahuna? No. Let's work our way up. So starting, um, we have... (laughs) I haven't looked at these pictures in weeks i'm sorry <laughs> let's start with the supreme court <laughs> so as we could see i only have elected one supreme court member from the protagonist the antagonist that we've read about so far and that is a uh, flag from the beast of the east uh This So let me describe what uh, is happening in this image for the audio listeners, if you haven't already opened the YouTube video. So um, we have two rows of four seats available in the Supreme Court. Uh, And you know that this is the Supreme Court room because at the bottom, uh, underneath one of the rows, it says Supreme Court uh exclamation point and then it says we hate you with a heart uh because it's true we've already talked about this the supreme court fucking hates us uh with love (laughs) and uh the only elected senator so far on the supreme court is flag the beast from the beast of the east so the rest of the seats are up for grabs people uh these antagonists better start working it out because the other ones we've read about that have not been elected to anything so far they were lame we need to get some good ones in here to fill the supreme court because Flag can't do it on his own, please God, don't let Flag do it on his own. He's a fucking idiot. All right, moving on. We are moving up to <laughs> the vice. I almost said the vice principal, <laughs> the vice president of the Goosebumps universe, Count Nightwing from <laughs> Vampire Breath. So we are now inside of his office. Uh, We can see that Count Nightwing is laying in his coffin because he's a vampire. Uh, He has a little desk in his office with a little name tag that says VP Nightwing. And as we can see, there are um, bottles of vampire's breath uh, amidst his desk uh that's because it's his life source it's basically his uh his red bull uh he's got some empty bottles on the floor because he's a lazy piece of shit and uh, he's got one on deck one full bottle on deck waiting to be consumed when he wakes from his slumber there's also a window with the curtains closed because he's a vampire duh Um, so that's count nightwing's office and last but not least moving on we have the oval office itself being occupied by our current president Carly Beth from a haunt, The Haunted Mask. <laughs> All right, so we have a desk for Carly Beth as well. The name tag says Prez CB. Uh, she's got a little cup with some pens because sometimes they have to write stuff down. Um, to the left, we have a big window with a dead plant in front of it because Carly Beth. Uh, ruins everything she fucking touches and on the right is you may be confused uh, by this image <laughs> this very clearly detailed like I don't even know why I have to describe what it is image um, but it is a uh, it is Carly Beth's duck costume uh, real things like Obama, Uh, lore fans will know exactly what this is but this is the duck costume that carly beth's mother made for her that she insisted on wearing the mask instead of wearing the duck costume for halloween and um as we can see this duck costume is hanging on the wall on fire it is just always in a state of eternal burning because carly beth hates it so much and she's so stupid and annoying uh and she hates her mother as well so the duck costume is on fire in her office just as a constant reminder of uh what could have been and uh that's so far that's what we have for the goosebumps uh, government but we will get back to that later we'll get back to that later um but those are the visuals I wanted to show you the guys those because I've been sitting on them for a while and now we finally have a reason to talk about them that I will get into later in the episode all right um the last matter of housekeeping okay this is a first for the things that go bump universe. As we all know, I am not reading the books in order of publication, I'm reading the books in the order that I find them for my collection. I ran into a conundrum this week. I have to admit it, I ran into a conundrum that I've thought about at one point in time, but I have not actually had to put into action until this week. Last week we read uh, Ghost Beach. The next book in my collection is a sequel. Not only is it a sequel, it is a sequel to a book I have not read yet, but also a sequel to a book that I don't even own. So I was like, what do I do? I can't read the sequel without any fucking context, or I will just be so confused. (laughs) Um, Probably not. It probably isn't that big a deal. But so here's what I'm going to do in situations like this. I skipped the sequel. I did skip ahead because I hate myself. <laughs> so, I I skip the sequel for this week. Um it, and we're skipping one book ahead of the sequel. Whenever I find the predecessor of that book of uh, this in this case, um the sequel that I own is Return of the Mummy and um whenever I find the first book uh, in the Mummy trilogy, I don't know how many there are. <laughs> whenever I find the first book, the predecessor of Return of the Mummy, um I'm going to add it to the collection as necessary. And whenever I get to it, I will read it. And then instead of moving forward with the series, I will go back and read the sequel. So I really hope that I don't hate every book that has a sequel that I find out of order. Because otherwise I'm going to have to live with them for maybe two or three books in a row. So that's really exciting. I just needed to be completely transparent and completely honest. So whenever I find, whenever we get to the Mummy series, I will have to i'll be releasing like two or three episodes in a row about the mummy itself so i hope we are all familiar and uh just mentally preparing for that i'm kind of dreading that i don't know why i did that to myself (laughs) but anyways uh that's what we're doing and uh that brings us into the review of for the week that brings us into the meat of the episode itself what are we talking about then if we had to skip forward and break the cycle if you will What are we talking? What are we here to talk about this week? I'm so glad you asked. Um, I say with like no enthusiasm at all. I just got so hungry right now, like so fucking carnally hungry. Like I feel my stomach about to growl. (laughs) That was the most like disgusting display of humanity. I hope no one heard that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm so hungry and I can't really think about anything else right now, but we have to get through this fucking episode. We have to get through it. Okay. It's time to start the review of the week. And this week we are not really jumping forward at all. So Ghost Speech is number 22 in the series and actually Return of the Mummy, the book that we're skipping is 23. The book of the week this week is 24. Weird. Okay. Uh, I think I found these all at the same bookstore and uh, yeah I did I think I found the next like several books at at the same bookstore and um, I snatched them from the hands of little children (laughs) anyways so um this week we are talking about the 24th book in the Goosebumps series (laughs) Phantom of the Auditorium oh my oh my goodness Phantom of the Auditorium no ah Yes, that's what we're talking about. Okay, (laughs) this book... (laughs) This book was good. I'm not going to fucking lie to you guys. This book was good. I am... (laughs) I think every now and then I'm just going to need to scream a little bit (laughs) to maintain my sanity. I am off the fucking rails today, people. As if I need to prove it to you anymore. You've been watching the episode or listening to it whatever okay let's start phantom of the auditorium let's give a brief synopsis hey the synopsis that's on the actual back of the book this is another example of the person who illustrated this book and the person who wrote the synopsis on the back of this book didn't read the fucking book So let's talk. Let me share what actually happens in this book. So this book is about a girl named Brooke and her friend Zeke. They are annoying. Not that. No, they're not. They are theater kids, but they're not like annoying theater kids. There are annoying theater kids in this book. Brooke and Zeke are not any. uh, Are not them, but Brooke and Zeke are stars. So Brooke and Zeke audition for the school play that they're putting on this year, which is a play called like The Phantom. It's a really um original storyline not at all similar to The Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Andrew Lloyd Webber did not write The Phantom of the Opera. Let's get that out of the way. I think it's based on a book. I don't know. Um so Brooke and Zeke's school, it's like Woods Mill Middle School or something, which is a really confusing name for me. Um they are put their school is putting on this play called The Phantom and uh, there's a whole curse behind this play. So when the school originally opened, I believe, 70, 72 years ago from when the book took place, um, there was this curse that um, they f- they built the original school. They were putting on their first play. A boy discovered a script for this play called The Phantom. And he actually ended up. So they ended up putting on this play um and the boy who found the script is actually uh casted in the role of the phantom and i think it's like on opening night or something the boy they're like getting ready to start the play and the boy disappears and no one can find him and they have to cancel the show and the boy was never seen again so that's the curse of this play and now they are trying to put the play on once again and uh hey the play after a series of unfortunate events it seems to be cursed. It seems to be cursed. (laughs) Spooky, spooky, spooky ghost. (laughs) Anyway, so that's a brief synopsis. And obviously, we'll talk about everything that happens later. But first, let's talk about this, this description and the cover of this book. (laughs) it's just fucking crazy it literally says um what does this fucking say it says a message appears on a piece of scenery it's in quotes the phantom strikes a stage light comes crashing down that doesn't happen (laughs) hey that doesn't fucking happen it kind of happens a stage light comes crashing down that does not happen in this book i don't know who the fuck wrote the synopsis of this book on the back um but that didn't happen that really did not happen uh anyways (laughs) and uh let's also discuss the uh the cover of this book hey the phantom is not a young handsome black man (laughs) wearing a face mask (laughs) over his eyes like the fucking incredibles with flowing hair that's not what the phantom looks like in the fucking book what (laughs) like what eddie what the fuck ever okay This person needs to be fired. Yeah, it's the same person who does, like, all the covers for these books. Fire him. Good lord. Actually, let's do some diving. Who illustrated the covers for the original Goosebumps series? Let's look it up. Tim Jacobus. (laughs) An American artist best known for illustrating the covers for nearly 100 books in R.L. Stine's Goosebumps series. Okay, now... um. I was interested to read this book because I don't recall reading it as a kid and I don't recall. I like 99% sure there was an episode of this in the TV show. Phantom of the auditorium TV episode. There was, should we see if anyone fun is in it? I think we should. No, not anyone. Not anyone that I'm aware of. (sighs) How fucking annoying. (gasps) Wait. Maybe. Wait. Wait. Is it? Is that? No. Wait. Is that the girl from Mean Girls? Oh my fucking god! Is that the girl from Mean Girls? Yes! 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 Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god, people! The girl... (laughs) The girl who made out with a hot dog in Mean Girls is in this episode of Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I love the internet. Oh my god, this is so fucking crazy. <laughs> oh my god. I closed out of the tab because I was so excited. Holy shit. Wait, who does she play? Who does she play? Go back. Go back. Go back. Run it back. Run it back one more time. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Who does she play? Oh, she plays Tina. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. The internet is such a beautiful place to be. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, calm down. This is the best day of my fucking life, you guys. Holy shit. Holy shit, I'm hot. Oh, my God good lord okay let's move on let's let's move on we have to move on i'll come back to that (laughs) let's move on let's move on i've never seen the tv episode um and uh i was excited to read this book and i read it and i just gave you a synopsis and now let's talk about it so let's talk about miss brooke our protagonist of the book miss brooke is she's just so good brooke is such a fucking icon i loved her so much uh she okay so let's talk about brooke It's from her POV, but a lot of the book is spent with, uh, her friend Zeke, obviously. Um, so Brooke and Zeke, they love scary shit. It's very like similar to kind of the dynamic between, uh, Freddie and his friend from, uh, Vampire Breath. I don't remember her name. (coughs) I still don't remember her name. Uh, after that anyways. They love scary shit. They refer to horror movies all the time. They watch scary movies all the time and they do whatever they can Uh, (laughs) Uh, to scare each other. And they're just like pranksters. They're little like tricksters. And it's really fun. I, oh, I loved Miss Brooke and Zeke. Um, Also side note, (laughs) Brooke and Zeke are friends. They've been like lifelong friends. I think they are in sixth grade. So they've been like almost lifelong friends. Uh, because their mothers met each other at a bowling league. This book was full of the weirdest fucking details about people. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, they met at a bowling league. Hey, your moms are actually lesbians. I hate to break it to you, but if they met at a bowling league and then they became friends and now you guys are friends, they are lesbians. They are gay. Your mom is gay. What? What's that clip uh, from a movie I haven't seen where she just walks up to the guy and goes, you are gay. You (laughs) are gay. That's me to Brooke and Zeke's mothers. (laughs) They are gay. Uh, And if you have any questions for me on that, leave them in the comments below. And I won't be answering them because I don't need to explain myself there. Um, Anyways, more fun facts about uh miss brooke uh she is resourceful and we are the same girls uh she always wears two scrunchies on her wrist because you never know when you're gonna need to put your hair up <laughs> me too bitch me fucking two. I always have a scrunchie on my wrist. Miss Brooke gets it. She fucking gets it. Except hers is like denim. And you know what? I made a denim scrunchie one time at a birthday party, I think. And I never wore it because I didn't know what I was doing and it didn't really turn out that well. But I made a denim scrunchie. So at my heart, at my core, I am Brooke from Phantom of the Auditorium. I was also a theater kid, but that's beside the point. What's important is that me and Brooke also love uh, scary shit and scrunchies on our wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, she is such a fucking savage too, because she just like shit, call, shit talks internal monologue wise. She just shit talks her fucking like classmates. <laughs> and It's so funny, but let's get back to it. Uh, let's get back to that later. We stan Miss Brooke. We stan Brooke. So I've already explained the premise of the book, Brooke and Zeke audition for the play. They find out the cast list for the play. Um, now let's talk about what the play is about. Um, it's about a theater owner named Carlo. Uh, he thinks that his theater is haunted and um, he has a daughter named Esmeralda who uh, falls, who has a boyfriend named Eric and uh she ends up falling in love with the phantom that haunts her dad's theater that's all we know about the play that they're putting on called the phantom i'm pretty sure and uh hey that's the exact same storyline as phantom of the opera pretty much <laughs> um i do not know how rl stein didn't get sued for this book because hey that's almost exactly the fucking same um so let's talk about the cast list for the phantom um so carlo the theater owner is played by some kid named Corey sklar <laughs> hey what kind of name is that who's Corey sklar? sklar s-k-l-a-r i again i do not know what the fuck rl stein was on when he came up for the names with the names for these characters in his books um but that's that Esmeralda, Carlo's daughter, is played by Miss Brooke, bitch. Miss Brooke got the lead in the school play. Yeah, she did, bitch. <laughs> and the Phantom is played by Zeke. They both got the fucking leads in the school play, bitch. They better work. Um, And Eric, Esmeralda's boyfriend, hey, we don't know. <laughs> we never find out who is playing the only other character in this play. Um... But that's funny as fuck (laughs) and and then there's her crew and the only people we know are on the crew we know that it's being led by this bitch named tina powell and tina powell is also brooks understudy for esmeralda and she's that girl that's like you got this over me i deserved it more she's a cunt tina powell is a cunt and that's why i was so excited hot dog girl from mean girls played tina powell in the episode that is everything. Okay. I feel extremely gay today. <laughs> so Tina's understudying Esmeralda and leading the crew. And she's bitter about it. Bitter. And, um. oh, the Phantom has an understudy too named Robert Hernandez. That's all we know about him. And then on the crew is another boy who during the story is like new to the school it's this kid named brian and he eventually like kind of buddies up with brooke and zeke and um they go to the director of the play who's their teacher name is walker and they're like hey can he get a part and she's like no join the crew and he's like yay okay and weird details about brian he is like super happy all the time super like go with the like he just does what he want what brooke and zeke tell him to do basically and he blushes all the time i don't know why it needs to mention that but it does so that's like the cast for the play that this book is about we've already talked about the curse of the phantom but they learn about the curse and the whole story about it from miss walker at the first rehearsal for this book for this play um but yeah, she tells them about the story of like the boy who disappeared after like on the opening night of the play, and now it's never been done in the school before. And she also tells them, okay, actually, let's just get into this. So obviously, uh, cursed shit starts to happen when they put on this cursed play. In the very first <laughs> rehearsal, there's just things that I'm like, how the fuck? How did this? How do these things actually happen? <laughs> um, in the very first rehearsal. Ms. Walker is on stage and she accidentally falls down a trap door in the stage that she forgot she opened Um, and they help her back up. And she shares that this trap door was actually built specifically for the original production of the Phantom for the Phantom to like emerge from the stage. And it's just never been used again, I guess I don't fucking know, (laughs) but whatever. She literally falls down the trap door does not get hurt. It's like a five foot drop that she just falls into accidentally. I don't know. <laughs> the next thing that happens is, um, well, like amongst all of this, mind you, Zeke is like pulling pranks on people. He has like spooky masks and shit that he wears to like scare people. Like 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 Carly Beth-esque haunted mask, not haunted mask, but like just like complete like Halloween face mask, not COVID face masks <laughs> with like things that say like, I'm the fan. I don't know. Um, so, he's just spooking people out for the whole time because he wants to scare Brooke primarily, and he's just a trickster. Zeke's a little tricky boy. Ew. <laughs> what the fuck. Um, anyways... After the first rehearsal, I guess Brooke and Zeke decide they want to play with this trap door in the ground of the of the theater. Hey, horrible idea. And um, they, like, stay late. They, like, hide from everybody and stay in the auditorium after their first rehearsal is over. And they're like, we're going to play with this trap door and see what where it goes. So uh, they, like, just go down in it to, like, see how it works. And they... Uh, it, they push the lever or whatever to get it to go down and it goes down, but then it goes down even further than it was when Ms. Walker fell in it. And they didn't know that. So it goes all the way down to the ground. They don't know how to get it back up and they are trapped below the fucking stage. And it shows them that or they find out that there's like a chamber right at the bottom of this trap door. And the chamber leads into like two tunnels and they're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then the trapdoor ends up and they're like, oh my God, scary. I don't know. Uh the trapdoor ends up being brought back up to the surface by someone we don't know who it is. Oh, weird. Um, and then it's some weird looking old guy that they've never seen before in like grey sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And he says that his name is Emil and that he's the night janitor. <laughs> and and they they basically lie to him about why they're there, obviously, because they're children in a goosebumps book. And uh they they leave okay um another scary thing that happens throughout this book is um brooke goes to her locker at one point and finds it's like partially open and then finds out or or like finds that there's like a scary face mask in it uh with a note attached to it that says stay away from my home sweet home so true and um brooke sees it and is like "Ooh, i was spooked but i know that was zeke just playing a silly little prank on me um so she dismisses it then at another rehearsal the phantom of the auditorium appears bitch they're rehearsing for the play the lights go out and then i think cory sklar is like on the catwalk in the theater and he starts screeching. He starts screaming and yelling or something. I don't know. Or no. He sees something on the catwalk and he starts yelling and um, then the lights come back up and we see a masked figure in all black with a black cape um, on the catwalk. He fucking Tarzans himself. He fucking, <laughs> he fucking George of the Jungles himself with a rope from the catwalk onto the stage through the whole auditorium. What the fuck? And um, lands on the stage and doesn't say anything to anyone. And he just steps onto the catwalk and goes down and disappears or not the catwalk. He steps onto the trap door and it goes down and he disappears and no one does jack shit about it. <laughs> and um, everyone just thinks it was Zeke. So they like go to the trap door and they're like, Zeke come back up, but no one's there and he's gone. Um, And then after that, the rehearsal, after the rehearsal, Brooks walking home and she sees Zeke, and he's like, she's like, why the fuck did you do that? How did you get out of there? And she was, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was at a dentist appointment and I told Miss Walker I wouldn't be there. Um, so that's <laughs> spooky, spooky phantom. Let's take a drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. During another rehearsal, they're practicing and a masked figure like rises from the trap door. And again... Everyone thinks it's Zeke playing a prank, but, so they, like, go on with the rehearsal, but then Brooke sees that Zeke is off stage, and he's like, what the fuck, and, uh, the fan, like, this phantom shakes Brooke by the shoulders, telling her to leave, like, whispering to her, stay away from my home sweet home, what a fucking creep, and then, Oh my god, this was absurd! And then he jumps off the stage and exits the theater by running down the aisle out the doors! What a fucking psychopath! This weird motherfucker that thinks he's so sly. Why didn't anyone just, like, trip him? Like, can you... Just the drama. (laughs) He said, like... Oh, y'all want... Oh, he was fucking... Cassie from Euphoria like... You want me to be the villain? Then so be it.
1: I can can play play the fucking fucking villain.
0: villain. That's the Phantom. (laughs) The Phantom is played by Cassie from Euphoria. Not Sydney Sweeney. Cassie from Euphoria specifically. (laughs) But yeah, he runs out the fucking door. (laughs) Everyone's just like, what? Instead of like going after... And then we just kind of get the normal, like, after so much shit happens, then people, uh, Brooke specifically, is finally speculating. Like, is it Zeke pulling these pranks with another student? Like, she thinks that he set up with another student uh, the, like, shaking and then running out the door. She thinks it was another kid that Zeke got to pull a prank on them. Or is it Tina? Tina? Now, she believes it could be Tina orchestrating all of these pranks to stress Brooke out and get her to quit the play so that she can play Esmeralda, because Tina is a petty, bitter bitch. Let me tell you, Hot Dog Girl from Mean Girls is a cunt in this book. Um she is just like always so so like rude and like just saying things to get into brooke's head but brooke is such a fucking badass and she there's multiple times where like she just subtly drags the fuck out of tina and even admits that what she's saying is mean (laughs) but there's one point where like tina's giving her a dirty look or something at a rehearsal and uh, Brooke says like I don't like her that much but I don't want her to hate me just because I got the part that she wanted in the school play <laughs> you better get her bitch you better come for Tina um, and then another one <laughs> oh my god I forgot about this <laughs> When Tina's like working on the scene like the scenery or this painting something I don't know uh, with the rest of the crew like Brian and the rest of the crew um, she sees tina like give her a dirty look or something again or she like makes a snide comment about oh she makes a snide comment about uh brooke forgetting her lines and she starts like feeding brooke her lines uh because she has to memorize them too and uh brooke literally says like not exactly but she basically says like have fun painting your scenery because it's the only stage time you're gonna get (laughs) get her get her bitch get her she is what I wanted to be. She's what I tried to be as a theater kid. And when I did that, everyone just stopped talking to me. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Whatever. Oh, my earbud fell out. I'm getting heated. This book was juicy and full of deep gossip and drama. That was a groundbreaking. After all the speculations happen, just one random point where zeke and uh, brooke go to the office to pick up something and uh they basically find out from the secretary in the office that there is not a night janitor who works at the school named Emil. they don't have a night janitor so okay random tidbit thrown in there for no reason well with random tidbit thrown in there then they're like who's Emil? what the fuck was that who did we see who rescued us from the trap door that one night and now they're at their wits end i guess and zeke Brooke and Brian decide that they are going well more so Zeke and then Brooke and Brian tag along for this. They decide that they are going to break into the school after hours. They don't just hide around. They fully leave and then come back in the nighttime and break into the school by sneaking into a window. <laughs> um. Okay so this is basically because they try to talk to Ms. Walker about what they've seen what they've experienced and they're trying to defend Zeke and say like Zeke is not the one pulling these pranks because Ms. Walker's getting pissed at him Um, so it's basically like she doesn't believe their story and then they decide they're going to find the phantom for themselves they break into the school they climb through a open window and uh, yeah they decide to go back to the auditorium and look for this ghost haunting their auditorium or this man haunting the auditorium alone three sixth graders (laughs) it is insane um plus when they're breaking in it is so funny someone literally says like isn't there an alarm that's gonna go off if we like bust open a door or something and someone literally says this school can barely afford pencil sharpeners let alone a burglar alarm (laughs) this is the 90s in a nutshell this is why we need stricter gun laws (laughs) because they can't even afford a burglar alarm oh my god oh my god so, they go to the auditorium, they turn on a light or something, and then when they're in there alone, mind you, the uh, there's a backdrop. If you don't know, like, in theater sometimes, they will have basically this giant, like, harp thing almost or just giant sheets of something that you can paint on to make it look like a background or something like of scenery so there's this backdrop that they've been working on for this play that's like a brick so like children hand painting a giant backdrop of just a brick wall to make it look like a brick wall (laughs) and it gets like lowered down. It like rolls or something and then is like there's a rope backstage that they can use to pull it down or whatever. Um, so that starts to happen on its own. This backdrop starts to like unfold on its own, and they see that it has been vandalized <laughs> with red paint. Someone took like a big red like paintbrush with red, red paint, it was just smearing all over it, and then at the bottom is a note that says that says Ugh. Stay away from my home, sweet home. Oh my God! Ah, the Phantom. Um, and uh, that's it. And then I don't, I don't know. Um, and then hey, Miss Walker, the teacher, the director of the play, she shows up because she stayed at school late and heard noise in the auditorium. She shows up and sees the backdrop that they are all standing in front of with fresh wet paint on it, and obviously thinks that they did it because. Duh. (laughs) Um, I would also probably assume the exact same thing. And they're like, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Um, And then she listens to their story about, like, what they were actually doing there. And she starts to believe them. She starts to believe that they at least didn't ruin the backdrop. She is like, okay, maybe someone else did it. And then they leave the auditorium. And uh, they see that there's a literal paint trail. Like, a trail of red splotches of paint. Um, and they follow it and I don't, this was uh, whatever they follow this paint trail. It leads to, um, Oh, it leads to Zeke's locker with the can of paint at the, like sit, an open can of paint and, or like not closed tightly sitting at the bottom of it. So Miss Walker says, uh, yeah, you're out of the play. I'm calling your parents. This is fucking ridiculous. And uh says to Brooke and Bryant, if you don't get the fuck out of here, I'm also calling your parents, you're also kicked out of the play. So then um They're like bummer. And <laughs> when they're leaving the school though, when they leave the school. Brooke runs into fucking Tina Powell who's sitting on her bicycle in the parking lot like, and then like starts approaching her when she sees Brooke coming out of the school and Brooke's like, were you in the auditorium? And Tina was like, uh, no, but you should probably go inside. It's cold out. You're going to get sick for the play, bitch. God, Tina's such a stupid cunt, but it's just like, what was she doing there? Um, then, so then it kind of jumps forward a bit in time Zeke is no longer in the play his understudy is taking over for him it's now a week before opening night and Brooke and Brian are having this moment where they realize like oh there haven't really been any like mishaps or any pranks being pulled since Zeke was kicked out of the play and then literally 10 seconds later Ms. Walker walks in for rehearsal and uh, she sees that her script has been completely glued together (laughs) And that for some reason really sets her over the edge more than the fact that their whole backdrop was ruined or that there's a full grown man swinging like George of the jungle into their auditorium or running. Her priorities are whack. Let me just tell you that. Um, But moments before this, we saw that Tina over in the fucking corner has a huge like paintbrush of paint or a huge like bucket of, uh, not paint, a huge bucket of glue that she was using to like cover some chandelier that they made. A a chandelier. Come on. How did Andrew Lloyd Webber not sue R.L. Stein's ass for this book? Maybe he did. Did let me look that one up real quick. Just looked up. Did R.L. Stein get sued by Andrew Lloyd Webber? And literally, instead of showing me nothing, it completely. It looks like there aren't any great matches for your search. So I guess that is a no. Okay, so no. Andrew Weber Webber did not sue Arl Stein for Phantom of the Auditorium. Anyways, um, so, yeah, I, at that point, I'm just like, how did they not immediately suspect Tina doing that? Anywho. Um, but, yeah, so Zeke hears about this stupid prank and is obviously like, I wasn't even there to do it. That is just proof alone that I didn't do it and I didn't do the rest of these pranks. So he decides that he wants to, again, try to find the Phantom on his own or on their own and just prove his innocence at this point. So then we have breaking into the school part two, bitch. They do it again. They sneak in the same window and they go down back to the auditorium. All three of them, Brooke, Zeke, and Brian. And they all go down the trapdoor chute back into the dark chamber. (laughs) Uh, uh, That was gross. Um, They go back into the dark chamber. So they start investigating with, they have flashlights also. Um, They start investigating, like I said earlier, this chamber breaks off into two tunnels and they're like, well, let's just go down the tunnels and see if we can find the Phantom. I would be mortified if I was a sixth grader doing this horrified. Like they like scary shit, that's the whole point. And the whole like throughout the whole book, they keep like teasing each other like, "Ooh, are you scared yet?" and blah blah blah, and they are both actually scared, but like obviously saying no. I would be so fucking terrified that I I, I wouldn't. you Who the fuck would do this? These kids are badasses. I love them. Um they start making their way down one of the tunnels, and then when they're so far down, they hear from down the tunnel that they from in the chamber the trap door starting to go back up and they are fucking trapped down there. Oh my God. That was crazy. Um, and then they go back and they see like the peg that's on the lower level to bring the platform down is like locked or jammed or something. So it won't work. So they are literally stuck down there. Horrifying, horrifying. Um, so they are just fucked because of that and they're like okay well we have nothing else to do let's go back down that tunnel so they go back down the tunnel and they find a door (sighs) these kids are so stupid they push open this bedroom door and uh mind you they push it in and open the door that'll be important in a minute (laughs) they push open the door and they go in and they see a, a bedroom like a, full, a they completely find a small bedroom decked out with like furniture bookshelves with books a record player it's literally a fresh bowl of cornflakes sitting on a table so like someone is there and they invade this space and eventually they like dis- they like see all this stuff they're like someone lives is like here someone's here living here what the fuck the phantom's eating cornflakes in the basement of the theater uh- <laughs> um And eventually, uh, the door shuts behind them, and it locks them in. (laughs) Um, Except it's not the fact that the door is locked that is making them stuck in the room. It's the fact that they pushed the door to get in. So, henceforth, you would need to pull the door to get it to open again so that you could leave. They spend, like, a minute... (laughs) pushing on the door to get it to open and it won't open. <laughs> and then Brooke is like, wait, we pushed it to get in. Pull it to get out. As if it's like, <laughs> as if it's like a great discovery, like a huge trick or something. Like, no, you kids are just fucking stupid. <laughs> oh my god. That was hilarious. Um, So yeah, Jesus Christ. You kids are stupid. They finally open the door and guess who's standing on the other side of it waiting for them? Emile. It's a meal, um, a meal from Ratatouille. <laughs> uh, he's standing the no the the night janitor in quotes who doesn't exist. Uh, he's standing on the other side of the door. It turns out he is just a homeless guy living under the school. <laughs> this was so weird and sad and disappointing to me. Like. This guy that they sus- they like didn't even really suspect as being the Phantom that much that they've run into before and like they never really questioned who he was again even after they find out there's no ja- night janitor there they they just rat out this guy this homeless guy who needs a place to live and he's living under the school <laughs> it was and-, and and then um the uh fucking. The kids hear the trap door going down again, and the whole time that they're there, Emil is just like you. Can't, like he literally just keeps saying to these children, "You have ruined everything. You've ruined everything." And it's just like, oh my god, it was actually so heartbreaking for me. It's like, oh my god, he's just trying to live peacefully, secretly, but also like, what a fucking at the same time what a fucking creeper an old man living under the auditorium of a middle school hey you're a fucking pedophile what the hell that is actually really creepy (laughs) now that i think about that more that's creepy as fuck um Ooh ooh, 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 I'm thinking about it more. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I take back anything I just said about like feeling remorse for a meal. I'm sorry that you're homeless, but that is fucking creepy. Ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I don't like it. Ooh, I don't like it. That is some lovely bone shit. Ooh, 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 oh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that. Hate it. Anyways, so then the kids hear the trap door from the chamber going back down. They hear it coming back down. They're like, "Holy shit, yes!" So they escape a meal and they run back down the tunnel and they go to the chamber and who is who made the trap door go back down zeke's dad (laughs) who we have not met at all in this book (laughs) zeke's dad is writing this trap door back down and it was this whole thing of like how did you find us and his dad was like well you were supposed to be grounded but you weren't there so i figured you were at the auditorium obviously why wouldn't you be at the auditorium uh and then i figured and then i saw the the trap door or i heard something so i lowered the trap door how did the dad know how to lower the trap door this made no sense why did the rl stein just not have the teacher find them again rescue them from a meal and that's that um and then So, yeah, Zeke's dad, for some reason, saves them, (laughs) and they all escape, and then they call the police, obviously, (laughs) Um, and the police investigate the tunnels and say that... um, within a matter of like minutes mind you uh because like zeke's dad called the police before he went to the school i think and um the police instantly show up and they instantly search the tunnels they go to the room that the kids were talking about and they're like yeah he's gone all of his things are gone like the books that were on the shelves all the records that were there, he they are all gone but the basement door was like partially open a bit so he's scattered actually so fucking weird but also like Oh, that is some like to catch a predator shit. Ew, ew. I really don't like that. That is so, what the fuck is R.L. Stein on? He has a homeless man living underneath the middle school, uh, the middle school auditorium with like children putting on a play. He has, um, he, uh, he has children taking their shirts off and commenting on each other's bodies in their dad's exotic basement. What the fuck is R.L. Stein doing? These books are actually kind of gross sometimes. <laughs> whatever that is all resolved and then it gets to opening night bitch so um everything goes well brooke says that everything goes well um until the end of act one at the end of act one the phantom emerges from the trap door with a bunch of fog surrounding him and that leads me into the image for the day oh actually it doesn't the phantom emerges from the trap door a bunch of fog around him it's a really dramatic moment or whatever um and obviously zeke got back the role uh and so she's like wait watching zeke arise from the trap door and then surprise she realizes because of the eye color of the person wearing the mask that it's not zeke (laughs) um and then she starts to like freak out and she basically like I don't remember. They go off script and the phantom has a whole little monologue where he talks about like, I disappeared 72 years ago when we were putting on a production of this play. And I've been here ever since waiting for this moment and blah, 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 blah. So it's actually supposed to be the kid that disappeared who was supposed to play the phantom in the 72 years ago production. (laughs) It's just so confusing. It was so confusing. Um, So that's what I've portrayed in our image for the day editing sabian hey put it on the screen you know what to do um so yeah remember earlier when i said that the illustrator of the cover of this book was just didn't read the book i say that because in this book every time they see the phantom it is some guy in all black with a cape wearing like a complete as far as i understood a total like halloween face mask that was like creepy and blue and green with maybe like a scar on it or something um and that's what he wears for the whole book what the fuck is this knockoff phantom of the opera shit being worn by a young like a young black adult that's i don't get it what the fuck i don't know that shit was weird um so yeah i show him he's sitting it looks like rocks but it is fog uh commonly misconstrued for rocks he's standing in the cloud of fog holding his cape having his little moment it says stay away from my home sweet home his favorite catchphrase uh with some music notes because he's he's a little singer this is his this is his moment to shine this is his time in the spotlight so he gives this little monologue he talks about how when he disappeared it's actually he disappeared because he fell to his death in the trap door like miss walker hey foreshadowing work um and so I guess at this point you're supposed to think that Emil was just dressing as the phantom to get people to stay away from where he's secretly living under the auditorium. But then you find out that's not what's happening or, or you find out, yeah, you as a reader are supposed to think it's a and that it's going to be over. But then this happens and you're supposed to be like, Oh my God. So who's this? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, whatever. Um, so yeah amongst the crowd applauding they they eat this shit up they eat his little monologue up they love him they love him and um while they're while they're clapping and he's basking in the glory uh uh miss brooke savage fucking bitch rips his face mask off and uh he covers his face with his hands and he's like no 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 and uh, he falls back into the trap door disappearing And then they close the fucking curtains, end of act one, and Zeke shows up in like a white t-shirt and jeans and basically says that he has been knocked out cold by someone for the entire play. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Who's knocking out a child? Anyways, so they put on the rest of the play, I guess. They don't deal with this scenario right away. They put on the rest of the show. It's after the show. Everything else goes well, I guess. Zeke and Brooke are like out of costume before they leave the school they go to brooks locker to grab something or some or, uh, something like that and they see that someone has opened her locker a jar a little bit and in it falls out like they open it and it falls out a old like dusty crusty yearbook from 1920 from their middle school and um there's a bookmark in it and bookmarked in it is a page that has an advertisement for the original production of the phantom that says like, it's supposed, it's going to be put on in the spring. Um, and they see a picture for the first time of the boy who was originally casted, the boy that died, um, casted to play the phantom and died. And they realize the photo, um, it, it's a, it's a picture of, 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 <laughs> and they see the picture (laughs) so they open the yearbook and (laughs) it's an advertisement and it has a picture of the boy who's playing the phantom (laughs) the boy in the picture who's supposed to play the phantom is their friend brian (gasps) and that's how the book ends that is how the whole book ends it literally just says the boy was brian work work plot twist you better work but also like (laughs) i was so i read that and i was shocked but then i was like so who the fuck is the phantom because the phantom is not a child it's it's like a man as far as i understand so like who's the phantom so the Phantom's brian but brian's been at rehearsals and so like who's the actual phantom that's been like swinging i don't know (laughs) i i don't actually know who the phantom is it's a it's the ghost of brian but the so Brian was a new kid, but where did Brian come? Because he <laughs> he was a new kid, but he's been there haunting a theater, but and no one saw him. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> I'm really confused about what's going on here. But that's the end of the book. And as far as as confusing as it was with the whole Emile story and then the Brian story or just like plot twists or whatever that was confusing as fuck the like actual solution of the book it's not even confusing in a way that I'm like let's figure it out it's confusing in a way that I'm like I feel like he thought I think R.L. Stein thought he served with this plot twist and like with the logistics of this book but he didn't because I don't understand what's happening um but like okay And just comparing this book to most of the other ones that we've read already, this one was very different and I really liked it. For once, this didn't take place like at a home. It didn't take place at someone's like living space. It wasn't family centered. It was very much like a group of children, like t- experiencing all of this scary shit together with like a leader rather than a parental unit who just doesn't believe anything they're saying. Um, you n- literally never meet a single parent of these children r- until the end of the book in the weirdest way possible. I think that was so stupid. I really think they should have just had Miss Walker find a whatever. So yeah, you don't really meet any parents in this book. Um, and the kids aren't all totally fucking insufferable. Brooke and Zeke are fucking iconic. I loved Brooke so much. She's so slay. I love her. I loved her. (sighs) Oh, and yeah, the resolution for the most part, it wasn't actually something supernatural for the first time. And it kind of had an, a rational explanation. But it kind of was supposed to be supernatural, I think. So, like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, that's really the end of the review. Um, I would love to tie it back to the very beginning where I said that we were going to talk more about the government. Dwink. Um, the Goosebumps government at first I was not going to elect the phantom any role in the government because I really don't know who he is. He's, but he he's just a phantom. I initially was not going to give him a role in any government structure. Cause I was like, what the fuck would he do? I, I don't know what he would do. And then right before I filmed this episode today, I had an epiphany. <laughs> it was just, it, everything fell into place. So I am so happy to announce that we I think since like episode four or something, we have finally elected a new member into the Goosebumps uh, Cinematic Universe's government. Um, And that would be the Phantom. The Phantom is going to serve as the Goosebumps government's secretary of education. (laughs) I think that is just so fucking funny. And here's why. Because... Uh, I think he meets all the fucking criteria. He hates children. (laughs) Um, He's sketchy as fuck. Uh, He also bans slash curses literature (laughs) because he cursed this play, apparently. Um, And I just think he's a perfect candidate. I just think he's perfect. He wants to scare the shit out of children. He wants to chase children away from school. He's a perfect candidate for the secretary of education. He hates education. He hates children. He hates people expanding their minds, expanding their horizons outside of his comfort zone. I think he is a perfect fit for the secretary of education. And like I said, I just decided this right now, so I have not made a visual, but I'm sure the editing Sabian has put that visual on the screen and I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure he's basking in his little, uh, do they have offices uh, does the secretary of education have an office (laughs) just one sec one sec guys I don't know okay (laughs) i'm sure he has his own little office because i make the rules here and um i'm sure he's basking in it i'm sure he is maybe like reading some sheet music (laughs) um there's probably a poster that uh has it says no children on it um it's probably maybe like a nice fire pit with um copies of the phantom script in it and I'm sure he's just doing his very darndest at stealing the spotlight in his little office as the Secretary of Education. So, a round of applause everybody. <laughs> round of applause for our newly elected Secretary of Education. And um, with that, let's move on to everyone's favorite part of the episode of this uh, podcast that we review Goosebumps books on. The numbers. So, let's get into it. Phantom of the Auditorium. The numbers. We are starting like we always do, guys. I don't know why you get so confused. I don't know why you anticipate anything being different. We are starting where we always start, which is the spookiness of the concept of this book. I gave it a 2.75 out of 5. Now, the idea of a cursed play by the ghost of a theater is spooky, but this is absolutely, as we have said many times, not the first time that this has ever been done. Again, I ask you, how was Arlo Stein not sued up the ass by Andrew Lloyd Webber? <laughs> because this book, hey, the at least the, no, pretty much this whole book is just like Phantom of the Opera Junior, <laughs> like if such a thing ever existed. That's what this is. So I don't understand. We've seen it fucking before, but the just because of that it is still a spooky concept so it's not completely just an f it's like an f plus (laughs) 2.75 out of 5 the villain in the story i gave a 4 out of 5 for the phantom a creepy phantom that curses a play put on by middle schoolers and then traps them in the 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 like the the tunnels of the fucking auditorium that's so scary, but also like what a weirdo. And also just like the clarification of like, who is the actual fucking phantom left me so confused that I'm like, I don't have a clear cut answer on what's happening here. So you're not getting a five out of five, but four out of five. Cause you're still weird and spooky as fuck. <sighs> the reader's tolerance of the protagonist in this book, Miss Brooke, you get a very confident five out of five from me. I feel like this is probably the first time that has ever happened Let me fact check myself real quick before I turn on the uh, major accomplishment alarm. Yes, it is official. Miss Brooke from Phantom of the Auditorium is the very first protagonist in these books to get a five out of five rating from me. Play the major accomplishment music. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I love Miss Brooke so much, bitch. She is a legend. Uh, I didn't find myself annoyed with Brooke literally at all. Not a moment in this book was I like that was dumb or you're annoying. Never. And honestly, she is actually so extremely likable and so fucking funny. Like I said, when she was like reading the house down on Miss Tina, that was so funny. I found myself like laughing at shit in a children's book. It was so funny. Oh, love her. Miss Brooke, you absolutely. This is my statement as the dictator of the Goosebumps cinematic universe. Uh, Miss Brooke, you carried this entire book. Congratulations, Nikki. (laughs) Nikki, (laughs) Nikki, congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) All right. Moving on to the plot twists and resolution. I gave a 2.6 out of 5 because this shit was bad. <laughs> um, the twist ending with Emil was pretty much what I predicted as soon as we found out that there was no night janitor, kind of. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you think he's a phantom and then he's not. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit that they discover that that's who's under the tunnel or in the tunnels or whatever um but yeah the whole like storyline about it him just being like a homeless guy looking for a place to live is sad but then there's that undertone of like ew why are you under a middle school creepy as fuck ew i don't like it at all i still don't like it um but then it gets extra bonus points for the like brian twist at the end where like brian was supposed to be the kid who actually died 72 years ago um but, like, I feel like that was a really weird detail to throw in, kind of for no reason. Like, maybe just to give this book a weird supernatural edge. Um, but, like, there was nothing indicating. Like, I feel like in uh, Welcome to Dead House, when you had, and even just the last book we read, where there's, like, secret ghost children. Um, they It's, like, pretty obvious that they are ghost children. And in this book, I did not predict that about Brian at all. There was nothing really about him except for one part where it was talking about how he had like black paint on his hands. Um, but I was like, that's probably because he's on the set crew. <laughs> like it's probably because he was painting this gray and black brick wall that we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't expecting him to be a secret ghost. I still have no idea what the fuck, like how, if he was the phantom, like if his kid ghost was a phantom or if it was like a grown version of himself as a. Ph- I don't know. I do not understand that. So it gets a 2.6 out of five because it was very, very poorly executed plot twist. Um but it was still kind of shocking. Um now we get to the underlying messages and social commentary in this book. To which I say, what social commentary and underlying messages, which isn't really a bad thing. Um I gave it a 1.5 out of 5, which is so low. Um but like I just don't think that there's really that many messages under this book. <laughs> like at all i think it was just an interesting like it was an intriguing just like creepy story about kids trying to figure out what the fuck is going on which i liked i really liked it but there wasn't anything to like write home about um besides miss brooke (laughs) um but i guess some of the messages that you could pull from this book are um theater kids are annoying uh that's an understatement uh I guess also make sure that your middle school auditorium isn't being occupied by uh, homeless men posing as theater ghosts. Again, I don't really know if it was actually Emil who was like pretending to be the phantom, like George the Jungling onto the stage or dramatically running down the aisle like a little kid throwing a fit. Um, I don't know who the fuck that was, but like, okay. Um, and also another message you could take away, don't break into your middle school in the middle of the night multiple times (laughs) don't do it at all but like multiple times for what that's uh, whatever and then uh yeah 1.5 out of 5 and lastly did I get goosebumps absolutely I did this book was actually kind of creepy there were some parts where I was like I don't like this huh this was kind of weird um but yeah so it gets the extra half a point for giving me goosebumps and uh now we Add up all the scores, find the average, and that gives The Phantom of the Auditorium an overall rating of 3.27 out of 5. That puts this book on the McCandy Library's official ratings of the 62 original Goosebumps books. That puts this book in 5th place, right underneath Beast of the East, and it knocks Beware the Snowman down to 6th place, and so on and so forth. This book was very enjoyable. If you are actually like wanting to read the Goosebumps books, hey, check out Phantom of the Auditorium, number 24. This book was fucking good. I liked it. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I didn't like, I don't know. I liked it. Uh, good on you, R.L. Stein, for this Phantom of the Opera knockoff. <laughs> you did a good job with this one. Uh, but that's all I have to do. To That's all. That's all for today, folks. Uh- <laughs> copyrighted I'm gonna get sued by Bugs Bunny (laughs) um so yeah that's it for today's episode if you uh liked the episode (laughs) please Jesus Christ I need to go eat lunch I need to take a break I need to not I can't believe I got through this episode if you liked this episode please uh if you're watching on YouTube leave me a like uh subscribe to my channel so that you can see when I upload new videos and um if you're listening to it on an audio podcast, please, uh, give me a good old rating. Uh, maybe five stars. If you liked it that much, if you liked it that much, if you really want to rate me like five stars, like you don't have to, but you could, I'd appreciate it. Um, and also if you like the podcast, Hey, spread the word, tell a friend. I love making this podcast. I actually think it is so fun and I would love to spread the joy to so many other people who, um, want to turn their brains off and dissociate from society and listen to a 23 year old person uh talk about goosebumps and just a little blast from the past guys um so yeah spread the wealth uh word of mouth is great i i appreciate anyone talking about the podcast in their day-to-day lives just don't talk about it in front of me because it makes me really uncomfortable i'll draw attention to myself i don't want you to draw attention to me in front of me for me (laughs) um so yeah tell a friend uh as as long as I'm not that friend, cause I already know about the podcast anyways. Uh, yeah. Leave me a like, maybe leave me a comment. Let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know if you had any, uh, grown men hiding under the middle school auditorium in your days in middle school. And, um, we can talk about that. Maybe you should go to therapy and talk about that too. um, if you want to follow me uh, outside of the podcast on any of my social media platforms, or if you'd like to support my small art business called Wherefore Art Thou by Z, I have a print shop full of my actual artwork. I will be selling exclusive prints of the uh, Goosebumps government visuals that you've seen in this episode today. That's not true. Maybe I will. That would actually be kind of funny. Um, hey. Uh, all the links that you need for my socials and everything are in the description of this episode on both YouTube and the audio podcast. If you want to check any of those out. Oh my God, my earbud got stuck in my, ow! That was a bit dramatic, but my earbud, I'm ADHD brain swinging it around and it just got stuck in my hair. And that was not enjoyable. That was not an enjoyable experience. I just had of ripping that out of my hair. Um, But that's everything today, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with me in this episode. This was a clusterfuck. Um, never forget that the girl who made out with a hot dog from uh mean girls played tina powell in the episode of this book on the goosebumps uh series on uh the tv in the 90s (laughs) um okay until next time keep it lucy and stay goosey peace out y'all have a good i don't know (laughs)